0: Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you for joining us for Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw, and I'm excited that you're here with us today on our podcast. You know, we started Positively Dad back in March as a resource for dads. You know, I'm a dad, my wife and I, Terry, have a seven year old daughter. And you know, we're just always looking to grow and get better. And as fathers, I think we, we all desire that to grow and become better partners and 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 better parents and just better men. And so I finally started Positively Dad earlier this year just as a resource to help you do that. And I, I trust it's working. We're almost six months in now. We're coming up on on that milestone. We're we're at nearly twenty five hundred downloads of the podcast already. Um, It's just it's really been cool and fascinating and I trust that you're getting value out of it And my goal is just to help us stretch and grow We do two podcasts every week. The one that you're listening to right now is the one we started with I call it our more traditional podcast and this is the one we've been doing now for almost six months And it's where I'm talking to an expert about Something that we could think about as dads just to help us be better And um, so that's what the one you're listening to today then every Thursday we release a Dad Talk episode, that's what I call it, Dad Talk, where we just talk to a dad about being a dad. There's some really cool ones of those where we've done 10 of those so far. We release them every Thursday. So if this is your first time listening to Positively Dad, or, or maybe you've only listened to this podcast and not our Dad Talk episodes, I'm going to encourage you to go back and listen to the ones that you've missed because we've, we've just talked to some really cool people and I've learned so much as a dad and that's been a big help. So today we're going to have one of our more traditional ones. It's really cool. And then at the end of this episode, um, Naomi, who's my seven-year-old, will always come on and she does her her kid's corner where she talks about whatever. And it's always interesting to hear what she wants to talk about there. So that's what we're going to do today. You know, I, I saw an article in a study that came out earlier this summer about empathy and how it's hard for people. It's hard for people, according to the study, to have empathy, to show, you know, I don't know, compassion, I guess, to people. It's hard for people to to show empathy um, when we're all out there just working to make things happen. And why is that so hard? And I, and I thought as a parent, you know, our kids are always learning and growing, and, um, and sometimes it's difficult to put ourselves in their situation. You know, I'm 42, my daughter's seven. Like, there's a 35-year gap there, and so, you know, when she's struggling to figure something out or persevere in some way or make something happen, you know, I find that there's times that that just stresses me out. And, and I've, I've jumped on her about stuff when there's really no reason to do that. And then there's other times that I just have a lot of compassion and empathy for her. And And so when I saw the study, I thought, you know what, today, uh, it's, this is something I could learn from and maybe you can learn from it too, where how, how as, as parents, can we just show a little bit more empathy? And so we're going to talk with Dr. Daryl Cameron, and he is at Penn State. He did the research on it, and he's going to talk with us a little bit about the study, and then as a parent himself, he'll talk with, it, talk with us about how, as parents, we should understand empathy. So Dr. Cameron, thank you so much for joining us on Positively Dad.
1: Uh, thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Well, it's my pleasure, and I was excited to talk with you to learn a little bit about empathy because I think as parents, it's a good reminder for us. And you know, we you know when when our kids are going through things and stuff like that, and then it's a good thing to teach our kids to to have empathy. And and it seems like we're in a world that just doesn't have a lot of empathy right now.
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, I think that um, there's 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 a, there's certainly a lot to be said about the role of empathy in uh, not just my, Morality and ethics, broadly speaking, but you know, how do we raise moral and ethical kids? And you know, how do we communicate empathy? How do we try to encourage it, uh, while at the same time trying to teach uh, kids how to be resilient? How to, because empathy can sometimes be can be challenging. It can, can be quite rewarding and it can be quite challenging. And I think that part of the you know part of the goal as parents is trying to understand what are the right ways to present these challenges in a way to to foster the growth that you want to see long term
0: well what do you think are some of those ways
1: well i think you know this is this is an area that you know people who work in social psychology developmental psychology there's a there's a number of different things people are trying to find ways to increase empathy uh where my home base is in social psychology a lot of the work that we do is to try to understand how do you change how people think about the world sometimes in a short-term way? How do you get them to rethink the situations they're in? In a way that might, in some cases, hopefully bolster desirable qualities like empathy. Um, And so if, for example, you, there's some interesting work by a number of different groups uh, that suggest that if you get people to think about how others view empathy, so if you point to social norms, so if you think, oh, people in my community, they they value empathy. People in my workplace value empathy. Uh, that could be one way to foster increased empathy and helping. And so Jamil Zaki, one of my colleagues, does some work on this, uh, but others as well. That if you get people to believe that others are empathetic and value empathy, it actually, you know, perhaps not surprisingly, increases your own sense of empathy.
0: Yeah, I saw a, stu- a study recently that said, "Hey, if you you know are hanging out with people who are more involved in charities, then you're more likely to step up and help out in a charity. Or if if you see someone that's you know just tends to have empathy and you're around them a lot of times, you're more likely to have it. And yet, the research that you did showed that it's not a real natural skill for people, and sometimes they just give up on being empathetic because it's hard."
1: right right and so that was one of the challenges that i alluded to a, a few minutes back and so you know much as a lot of people are trying to understand how do we build empathy you know what one, one one step you might take is well to understand what might work to build empathy can we try to understand what inhibits empathy in the first place and so a lot of folks in psychology are trying to understand what are the obstacles what are the, the hurdles and so uh with my a couple of my grad students Julian Scheffer, Eliana Hanjeandru and uh, also uh, Mickey Inslicht and Sofia Hectorson uh we we did a paper where we were looking at this idea that empathy in some cases at least appears to be kind of hard and by hard we mean effortful taxing kind of like doing a difficult math problem it's something that when faced with The suffering of someone else when faced when you're when you're thinking about what does it mean to empathize where that means trying to take on and understand the experiences of other people that can be a daunting task sometimes you may not entirely know what the other person you may have concerns what if i think they are feeling this way but they're feeling some other way and i get it wrong and that offends them uh there's any number of challenges to really getting inside the minds of other people and so we developed a task and a series of studies to try to Unpack that question to try to see like, how do we get a sense for empathy's difficulty level? And so I'm happy to talk more about that if, if you have specific questions, but that was kind of the overarching goal. It's like we don't tend to think of empathy as this effortful challenge. Often you hear it described as this kind of automatic emotional impulse, it just happens. Um but then at the same time you hear colloquially at least, discussions of things like empathy fatigue, the idea of being too exhausted and overwhelmed to, to, to really care and feel for others. And, you know, I think it's, it's a challenge that, uh, that many of us as adults face. You know, There's so many crises around the world where we feel like we might be a bit, the scope of which are so large, they might feel overwhelming. And a lot of my older work kind of focused on that. This idea of large scale crises, like natural disasters and genocide, Uh, empathy is difficult to cultivate. Yeah, Um,
0: I mean, it sounds like to me that empathy is not a behavior; it's a skill. I mean, it's something that's taught and learned, and you work at. Is that right?
1: Well, certainly empathy is a. It's one of those skills that is often taught in various kinds of you know emotional education programs with younger children um it's seen as an aspect intelligent among some um and it's something that you know a lot of folks are trying to think how do you how do you take children who are developing naturally and think about you know how do you get them to care how do you how do you get them to see the consequences of their actions where they care not just about not getting punished but they also care legitimately about the welfare of the people who are their, who their actions are impacting, and so I think that many folks do see it uh, as a skill that can be grown with the right kinds of discussions uh, whether that's with parents, with teachers um, but I think a lot of yeah a lot of work is trying to figure out what are the right pathways to to make that happen and I think yeah, pe- people do think it's something that can be grown um, and so although the work the more recent paper you're mentioning, um, it does focus on an inhibitor. I think that there's a lot of work to suggest that we can get people to overcome their inhibitions and think about ways to cultivate empathy.
0: Well, what are some of those ways then based on you know what you've researched and what others you know in the industry have researched? How do we create that? Because my guess would be the way that we have children who have empathy would start with us being empathetic ourselves.
1: Right, right. So, um, yeah, so getting past that, and again, there's, you know, I think I would say a lot of this work is, it's, it's a growing body of work. And so I think, it, as with anything in science, you know, it's something that we build our knowledge base and we keep trying new things, but there's never settled, set in stone. But, you know, I think in, our, like, for example, in in our paper, the recent one, we had a couple of experiments at the end where we used a manipulation to lead people to think about themselves as more efficacious or more skillful at empathy. So you you go through some practice at empathizing and you think about how good you are, at at, how efficacious you are at having empathy. And so getting people to think about how they're skillful at empathy actually gets them to think of empathy as less hard work and they're more likely to engage in it. Um, And there's numbers of other approaches other work that looks, suggests that if you get people to think about empathy as a skill that you can cultivate as a growable skill, as opposed to some kind of fixed inherited trait uh, or inherent trait, um that can motivate more empathy too. That's some nice work by uh, Zaki as well. Um, those are a couple of like short term uh, things you can think about. Um, but yeah, there's any number of interventions that like, of that vein. So I mean, you could try to think about uh, again appealing to social norms, so pulling people into what others around you are doing, in a descriptive sense, but also what they happen to value. And there's also interesting counterexamples. So I mean, f- uh, effort and hard work doesn't always deter people. There's fascinating work on, for example, people who run in charity marathons. Like there's a clear there's there's a clear example of people who engage in hard work and it's for a good cause. And and there's clearly not this disconnect between the effort and the pro-social outcome. And so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of interesting work to try to understand when do people look at this effort behind being an empathic person and put place value on it. And the, uh, my colleague Mickey and I and others are trying to understand this, this interaction between uh, empathy and then putting the work into empathy, but also viewing it as a good thing and putting placing value on that. And So it's I think there's a lot a, of interesting work to be done yet. On.
0: Clearly yeah. there is. It sounds like to me it's a mindset decision first. Like you've got to make a decision that, hey, I've got to be interested in what other people are feeling. I've got to be interested in what other people are going through. I need to be interested in other people's perspectives. And when you make that decision, then you can do the work. Of understanding that, right?
1: Right. So I mean this all presupposes right that she that you have an active aspiration to care and improve yourself in the first place. And so um, you know, one of the I guess is as, as backgrounds, kind of the overarching framework that I and some others work from is the empathy is uh, it's it's about motivation. It's about what you care about. And it's you know, it's easy to it's easy to look at empathy and some situations I think okay like we just can't feel empathy in some cases like you know my oldest so my older work when I was in graduate school was about empathy for large-scale suffering and why, why we sometimes seem to be insensitive to these big large crises and one interpretation of such an event would be well we just can't feel empathy in these cases too, too big it's too massive it, it would be impossible for us to cognize and understand something about that scale but a motivational perspective gets to this question you're posing of, of caring, and it's about well, when people are facing, like if, if I see if, if if I see a news story coming to my email about a major disaster, I might entertain in my head, well, look, like, do, what do I care about in this situation? If I if I choose to engage with the story, is this going to be a lot of effort? Is it going to be emotionally costing Is it going to be, make me feel like I have to do something to help, but also those are costs, but also there are benefits. I can think about you know, if I do this, if I try to engage with the story and do something, is it going to make me feel like I am acting consistently with my moral principles? Might it confer some kind of reputational benefit? It might feel good to have empathy and help. Um, And so, long story short, a motivational perspective would just suggest that whether or not we have empathy in many contexts, even contexts where it seems quite hard, is a balance of how we, that's how we balance those costs and benefits. And so this question of do you care at all in the first place to engage, that really is uh, it's a good, good question. It's really central to how motivated empathy uh, theorists try to answer this question.
0: Well, it's like we're measuring things, right, to see do we need to even take the time to care? And then what do we do? It it makes me think of, I mean, we're in a massive debate over immigration in this country right now. and, And it's been a debate for a long time. It's been amped up here over the last few years. And it seemed like we were just kind of sitting on our sides. And then we see the videos and the pictures of the families who were separated at the border. And it seemed like that definitely got attention of people who may have been sitting on the sidelines because we got you know people a group of a, a larger group of people become interested and then their morals come into play and that's what you're saying right that when your morals are challenged or something like that is when you might show up in a way to show some empathy is that what you're saying
1: well i definitely think that morality and sense of identity can play a large role in the social norms piece for example if, if people think that those with whom they share some kind of close bond, it could be people that people you're kin, uh, it could be a political group, it could be close friends. If you think they think something and that you care about their opinions, then well, certainly that could motivate you, your empathy in that direction. And so if, if, if people whose opinions you really value have a strong stance of empathy for or against a particular set of individuals, that could certainly be one factor that shapes how you manage your own feelings of empathy um or if there's different um perspectives on how we should feel empathy you know there's some aria arguments for and against uh whether empathy is worth cultivating this has been a hot debate within like, psychology and philosophy and political science and a lot of other fields too and you know depending upon what you think others think about empathy as a good thing or a bad thing or if empathizing with with certain groups is a good or a bad thing, uh, yeah, these are definitely factors that could enter into your decision-making in terms of how to cultivate or whether to cultivate your own feelings.
0: So let's go back then to the parenting side of it. And um, I believe, if I recall, you have kids, right?
1: I do. I have a pair yeah. of kids, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And how old are your kids?
1: So I have a six and a half year old son uh, and a a just turned one year old daughter.
0: Oh, congratulations! That's so fun. And um, yeah, and I think that parents go look. I want my kids to care about others and be interested in others and be kind to others and um, you know and 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 play well and that sort of thing. And that's a that's part of uh, of empathy. How How what are the ways for us as parents to teach that to our kids based on your research and your experience as a dad?
1: Well, based upon my experience as a dad, I think that um which i you know it is it is fascinating and fun to think about ways to you know think of the relationship between psychology and parenting um you know i, I think based upon my experience, part of it is a matter of perspective taking it's trying to actively uh cultivate a sense of understanding, so especially for my for my oldest my son, I'm trying to get him to understand about you connecting the connecting actions to consequences. So seeing that, well, if this thing, if you engage in this kind of action, it might cause, you know, persons, uh, negative feelings or it might cause them positive feelings. So for example, it's like, look, you made your sister giggle and laugh like incredibly, like look, look at, see that reward from interacting positively, uh, with your sibling. You know, one of the things that, is sometimes focused on is kind of cultivating the sense of the warm glow of helping so the feel good feeling of being empathetic and compassionate and so each tr- I try to um you know provide my my son my kid well, both kids is primarily my son given that he's a little bit older in the sense of you know here's why it's such a great thing to be kind to other people here's why it's good like trying to provide the the social reinforcement for positive acts of kindness and empathy. Um, so trying to primarily provide a sense of reward and reinforcement, um, but also trying to model that too. So trying to, in terms of how we interact with others, trying to provide a sense of here's here's why it's important to care about other people. Here's trying to model that through our actions and behaviors as well. In part because you know explicitly saying, like, okay, you should care about this is one thing, but also the more implicit, tacit kind of role modeling is also super important. Yeah,
0: so that's where I wanted to go next is, is you know, how are you showing him why he should care as opposed to telling him he should care about something?
1: Well, part of it, I mean, part of it has to do with um, just how we interact with others. I mean, some of this is super small moment kinds of things, like tones of voice uh kind of the civility with which we try to uh, aspire to engage with other people in our everyday lives you know letting like turn even things like like turn taking Like just you know make it like a modeling like here like this is why you listen to someone in a conversation and then you, you try to understand their perspective and you respond um and as a recent example it's more of a ah, this is still small in a different way but we always have a little uh was a little bird, a little robin that had been washed out of a tree in a storm, and so we tried. We we we, were try- we picked our son up from school, and we were trying to uh, uh, figure out like where is the bird's nest? but well, We couldn't find it, and so we took it to a local wildlife cave facility, actually, who specialize in dealing with animals, wildlife animals who who have been in this kind of situation. And they re- they rehabilitate and release really so them. That that they're trying to. They work with local conservancy agencies to try to help wildlife animals. The point being this is a an example of uh, trying to model strong empathy and caring behavior for for you know well all essential beings but animals in particular and I think it was one of those singular moments for him I would imagine you uh, know i would I would maybe guess that years hence he'll look back on that with some memory and um so, it's, I mean, it's a mix. I mean, that's just one example of something recently that happened this past week. But, um, we just try to show, you know, here's, here's why we should care. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's trying to provide lessons and explicit statements. And sometimes it's just trying to enact the process of providing care to something. And whether that's helping a little, a baby animal or interacting positively with our pet at home, uh, this feeling like this is how you treat beings with care and not carelessness.
0: Right. So as we wrap up, what is it you want our listeners to know about empathy, you know, just again based on your experience and your research?
1: So I think one of the most interesting things that's happened in the past few years, and it this dovetails with some of the, the political things um, a little bit, these larger ethical uh, discussions about the value of empathy. There's a book, uh, came out a few years ago called against empathy by paul bloom great book very compelling but it makes a, as you, given the title a very strong argument that empathy is a problem and the argument is that empathy has these biases that it's a biased emotion basically they, that they argue in the book or he argues in the book that we see that empathy is stronger in response to like single identifiable victims but not to large-scale atrocities or suffering or climate change, things like that. Um, Empathy also seems to be stronger for in-groups and out-groups. And so from that basis, and on the argument that we can't change those empathy biases, it would seem that it's not the most reliable thing to rely upon to cultivate intergroup dialogue or engagement with collective action and so forth. That's how the argument goes. Um, My colleagues and I have a kind of a different perspective, and I think it really... It summates a lot of our discussion, too. Um, So coming from a motivational perspective, it really is that it's not that you can't have empathy in these contexts. It might be challenging. Sure, it might be challenging to cultivate empathy for an event that that impacts so many people or for people who have a very strong disagreement with it. Um, But it doesn't mean we can't do that and if we try to educate people about the inhibitions they have about not empathizing that may move us in a positive direction and so the nutshell lesson just being that empathy is often a matter of choice it's often about how we choose to interact with others based upon the expected cost and benefits and so from that perspective um Empathy could very well be a good thing. I, I would argue it is a good thing. It does have some cost to it, but it has some wonderful, incredibly ethical benefits. And I think for listeners, it's that many folks in psychology suggest that empathy is this motivated, it's a motivational phenomenon. Something we, it's about how we choose to engage with the world. There's um, a writer, Leslie Jameson, Uh. Who has this book, a short, it's a series of short stories about her life called The Empathy Exams. And she has a wonderful quote in it that I often use in my presentations at conferences. It's that empathy isn't just something that happens to us, it's a matter of choice, it's a matter of how we choose to extend ourselves to the world. And my, let's, my personal recommendation for listeners would be it's tempting to think we just can't feel something. We just can't feel empathy because people don't tend to, because it seems like no one's responding. But really, I think there's much more possibility for choice there. And don't make the mistake of, this, of assuming that an empathy gap or an empathy deficit always has to be that way. You can choose to act. Differently. And I think a lot of interesting psychology research is, is already done so, has already begun to support this, but an increasing amount suggests that empathy is much more memorable than some critics are giving it credit for.
0: Well, fascinating stuff. I've learned a lot today, Dr. Cameron. I trust our listeners have as well. So I thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your day to join us. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you very much for the invitation, and I uh, look forward to uh, hearing more of your podcast.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. An eye-opening conversation with Dr. Cameron about empathy. My takeaways are it is an attitude, it is a choice, and... That, that we've got to be purposeful about it, if we desire our children to be people who grow up and care and are compassionate about other people, then our responsibility as parents is to be that ourselves. And, and I'm sitting and thinking about it as we're doing this interview, and I'm going, how often is it that I say something to somebody on the road, honk my horn, say something that, hey, they must be learning how to drive, whatever, when my daughter's in the car, and that little tiny action, what kind of impact does that have on how she sees the world and the way she sees other people? And if we're truly going to raise children who care and are compassionate people, empathetic to others, we have to demonstrate that ourselves It made me think about something. And that is, you know, we all come from different perspectives. We all have different ideas. We all have different realities. There's 7 billion people on the planet, so there's 7 billion different realities, and our, our reality is really designed by how we perceive things, not necessarily how things are. So everyone's reality is different. And everyone's reality is the perfect reality for them. How, however you see something is perfect for you. It makes sense based on your beliefs and understanding and experiences in the past. and um, And so sometimes you know, we'll encounter people who believe, see, and view things differently based on their own experiences and behaviors, and it's really easy to go into judgment, not empathize, not be curious. And so somebody told me one time that being interested is a choice that choosing to become interested in someone else's perspective is a decision that we make, whether you're going to be interested or not. And think about how much easier life would be, how, how all the problems that we could solve, that if instead of forcing our attitude or beliefs on someone, we said, you know what, I'm curious how you got there. And to me, that's empathy, being curious about how someone got there. You don't have to agree with them. You can be interested. And when you're interested then you become curious. When you're curious, you might learn something. You can, you can disagree and have a different opinion and a different reality. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, maybe if we just pa- paused and listened for a minute, that might change the way we look at some things. And, um, and for our kids, the way we behave in those little tiny moments are huge moments for them. And we're teaching them how to interact and treat and behave and, and, and interact with other people. All right, well, let's uh, do what we finish with every podcast, and that is what's going on in Naomi's mind. So she's going to tell you in the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi.
1: Hello, everybody. So today I'm going to talk about love. Love is this one thing that everybody has to have. Love is so fun to have. When you first got someone to love, you feel, like, kind of weird. So, that's how you feel when you first see your first love. That's your friend, Amy's Corner. Have a great day. Bye.
0: Okay. Uh, looks like we've got some episodes on the way. That is not what what I expected today. The thoughts of a seven-year-old. Again, I tell you, she just gets to talk about whatever she wants. I like, go, oh, you ready to record your episode? She says yes, we hit record, and there you go. Second grade love, that's what we're talking about now. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to Positively Dad. I trust you're getting value out of these conversations that we're having. And we do a ton of stuff online, if you can connect with us there as well. At Positively Dad on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just search for us. I want to hear from you as well, James at PositivelyDad.com. And then if you would, oh my goodness, this is how we get this message out is from people like you sharing and telling their friends about it. Would you rate us wherever you are listening? Five stars, please. And then write a review too. Those are so huge for us. We even share those on our social media and it gets other people to listen. And then invite people to to our social media pages, share our episodes with them, hit the subscribe button so you never miss one. Let's work together to get this message out there so that people can get on this Positively Dad journey and we can all grow. I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.